The following podcast is completely fictional. All of the characters, even those based on real people, are fictional. They are just impressions by a weird dude talking to himself for your enjoyment. Hola, bramigos. What's up? It's Above the Dave. It's another episode of the Lot Scene Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about my top jam bands from the 90s and 2000s that I loved so much, and they're not really around anymore, and that makes me sad. After that, we are going to talk to the infamous Dix Streaker. That's right, the man who streaked on the field over Labor Day weekend at a fish show is now here in the studio, and we're going to chat. And after that, we are super excited to have Bob Weir and John Mayer coming into the studio to talk with us about the final Dead and Company tour. So do a dab and call your dad. It's another episode of The Lodge Definitely in a period right now where there are a good amount of them. That was not always the case. I guess the first boom would be the late 60s, early 70s with the Grateful Dead and the Allman Brothers. And there were ones that popped up, of course, in the 70s. And you had your Max Creek. And then 80s brought in, obviously, Fish. But really, Fish ushered in the modern-day jam band boom. But it is a ripple effect. I mean, one band influences another generation and another generation. It just continues, and it has been. Every decade, there are new jam bands. As a kid growing up, I was born in the 80s, and then in the 90s, I got to experience that jam band explosion that took place. A lot of times, people will associate the Horde tour with a, a big moment for jam bands to really say, hey, this is us, this is our moment. Spin Doctors and Rusted Root were getting on the radio with Blues Traveler, and uh, it was a whole thing. They had music videos out, and there was a lot of people, just general public, who really enjoyed the music of jam bands for a hot minute, right up until after 9-11. You could just feel that, I don't know, something about jam band music and the seriousness of the world after 9-11 just didn't people didn't want that music and then what blossomed right after 9-11 was the new york the rock explosion of the strokes and there was yeah yeah yes and interpol and then then that just went off for years kind of in a rock revival that definitely was the anti-jamming rock bands so for a while there it was just kind of jam music kind of just had a period, a long period, where it wasn't cool. It was cool in the 90s, though. 
Dave Matthews Band and Blues Traveler and, and, and these other bands. So jam music was in the public eye, which I don't know if I'm going to see again in my lifetime. But growing up with it, it was pretty cool living on the East Coast and being conscious for this uh, explosion of music. And there were a whole bunch of bands that I really liked in high school and college that are no longer around or not really in the same capacity for the most part. And I just wanted to kind of just bring up a few of my favorites that I do miss and just kind of shout them out up top here. I'll say that one of the most important concerts of my life was when my dad took me to see the Allman Brothers Band for the first time at Jones Beach. I believe it was the year 1996. And it was a really big moment for me to get into my own rock music. My dad thought it was crazy that I was getting into music from his youth. And I think he was kind of oddly proud about it. And he wanted, uh, he wasn't into it. He thought it was too druggy, but he wanted me to be able to, to see them live. And so I got to see, I got to see the Allman Brothers at Jones Beach a few summers in high school. And that was wonderful. The first one, however, is the most memorable because not only did I get to see the Allman Brothers and it immediately clicked for me that, yep, this is the direction I'm going in, <laughs> but they had an opener that night and it was a band named God Street Wine. I had never heard of them and I watched their set and I thought they ruled, but I still, I mean, this is 1996, so I went home and I just kind of replayed this one song of God Street Wines over and over again in my head. And that song I eventually found out was a song called Molly, which was one of their catchier, bigger tunes. For them, they they actually did, I think, sign with a major label and released an album or two on a major label. Molly was just had this catchy part that was uh, Molly, mo, 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 Molly. And I would just kind of take the bus to school and sing it in my head for months. Just dun, 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 Molly, mo, 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 Molly. And eventually I just went to a record store and I found some tapes. I think I got a tape of $1.99 Romances, which is a wonderful album. Uh, I strongly recommend it. If you like jam bands that sing about chicks... There is no better jam band in history. I mean, they ha they must have a dozen songs with a girl's name as the title. And so I, I come to find out that there's a lot of songs with different girls. Imogene. Oh, man, that song is great. Goodnight Gretchen. Woo! They got so many girl named songs. And then a couple of years later, I have my first real girlfriend as a senior in high school. Like, real girlfriend was a, a girl named Molly. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, now that I think about it. God Street Wine were so good. They were so great live. I got to see them a few times. They could write really catchy music, really funky music. I don't know that many bands that are coming up today that are writing the quality of songs that God Street Wine was writing in the 90s. Low Faber, that's the, that's the lead singer's name. He's, he's still out there to some capacity, I, I believe, in, in, in performing under his own name. God Street Wine does get together Sometimes when they do reunion shows, I saw one of their reunion shows at Brooklyn Bowl a few years ago, and it was great. They are just a beloved band, and the reason being is that they 
honestly just write such great music. They harmonize. They, I think they have definitely a few different songwriters all contributing music that is perfectly just them. It's, it's not trying to be anything other than just a good song that probably has a ripping guitar solo on it. Into the Sea, classic God Street Wine song. Just really great melodies that they create with their guitars. This is not a band that I would say does any type of type two thing, though I don't know if any of the bands I'm going to say today do a type two thing because I kind of feel like the Grateful Dead had their own weird jamming that they would go into that could be like a type two thing for sure. Fish was just kind of getting there. They were 97, 98, here we go. Type 2 jamming is becoming more and more a thing, and now, yes, other jam bands do that. But really, these are just bands that would just do a lot of extended guitar solos. Nothing's going too crazy with the jamming. Of all the jam bands from this era, God Street Wine from, is the one that I hold dearest to my heart. So I, I had $1.99 Romances, then I got the album Bag on tape. I would ride the bus, and I probably did this for an, a whole year straight. I, I was already off of my Allman Brothers kick. I did a whole year plus of Allman Brothers just nonstop. Then I saw the Allman Brothers. I see God Street Wine open for them, and now I start getting my hands on tapes, and I just listen over and over and over to $1.99 Romances and Bag. And then they had their major studio release called, I think, Red, which was great. A slight departure from the other two, but, you know, such is a major release. And I think they had an album or two after that. So I, especially those first two, first three albums, I spun so many times over and over, memorizing every single note. And I wore those tapes out. I really did. If you're not familiar with God Street Wine, they're a great band to go back and check out from the 90s. But yeah, they do do some reunion stuff from time to time. And so um, I always look out for an opportunity to see them again. Another band that was really big, for not only me, but my friend group, who were mostly comprised of hippies. A big group for all of us eventually became Deep Banana Blackout, led by this incredible singer named Jenny. I forget her last name. Jenny. She had so much energy. You fell in love with her when you, you wanted to hang out with her. She had all of the good energy. She had like a raspy Janice Joplin voice that was infectious and she just exuded kind of like just like a sexy like a female James Brown situation was happening with Deep and Out Blackout and they had all of these characters I mean all of the characters the drummer and the, this guitar player named Fuzz and everybody in the band it was such a loud personality they were they had so much fun on stage and being in the room when they were playing it was contagious like their energy they were just having so much fun. I'm not sure the first time I saw them. I know I saw them a whole bunch at the end of high school and then into the beginning of college when it was a double bill with the Disco Biscuits, which I talked about last season, that hooked me uh, on the Biscuits and then Biscuits just kind of took over. Uh, Deep Banana did disband and I don't know of them ever getting back together. I'm not sure why that is. They truly were one of the better, more unknown jam bands uh, they, I believe they were also, they were, I believe they were from Connecticut. So maybe that's why we got to see them a few times as high schoolers when a bunch of these bands I didn't know about until a few years later. I mean, God Street Wine, 
I just happened to see with, when I was with my dad. And then deep in a blackout, well, we're a bunch of Connecticut hippies, so that was just our local jam band, I guess. And But they were such a great funk band. It was a, a larger band. I think it was a you know, it was probably a good six, seven people on stage. They got a live album that you can listen to, I think like on Spotify. It was a double CD. We listened to that so many times, just everywhere we went. Great songwriting. Excellent songwriting. Just really phenomenal musicianship. Every, everything about them uh, is great. The only thing I think they ever got shit for was that they did, they did do a thing every single show where they go, deep banana blackout, whoa. Deep banana blackout. And then they would make everybody in the audience do that. And that would happen like a few times during a show. And I don't know. I guess it rubbed some people the wrong way. Some people didn't like the chanting part. <laughs> I, I had some great sweaty dance parties. Most notably was I got to see Deep Banana Blackout at Wetlands Preserve. And it was on New Year's Eve. 12-31-1999. And Y2K was this big fear that something was, everything was just going to power down and explode or everybody was going to turn into robots or something. I don't, no one thought that the world would be able to continue in this digital age of 1999. Uh, we didn't think that the computers would be able to figure out zero, zero. And, uh, and so I was in New York City and I know that my parents and a, and a bunch of other parents were not happy that we were going to be in New York City. What if the world shuts down? And what if you're trapped in the city because the computers all shut down? That was like a legitimate fear of our parents. And we were like, we got to go see Deep Banana Blackout. And uh, what a concert. And they played so many hours of music. It, I think the show got out at five in the morning and there were like bagels and coffee uh, that Wetlands had provided for us. We were all on a bunch of ecstasy because uh, all of us went to first semester of our freshman year of college that year and all came back and you know i don't know and i don't know if, if you went to college you might remember i don't know if it was anything like us but when we came back that first break well there was the thanksgiving break but then when you came back for that like long extended break that first break of freshman year where you get to go back and hang out with your high school friends and uh yeah everyone came back with more sexual experiences and drug experiences so then now we come back, we're a bunch of high school friends. We never did ecstasy in high school or anything, but we did for New Year's Eve, 1999, Deep Banana Blackout. I know that. We were, we were rolling and just sweating in the wetlands, the sweat glands, they call it. And uh, what, a, what a great show. And I remember us still feeling pretty good from the ecstasy. One, because we were fucking 18 and it was a brand new experience. And, and I was chock full of serotonin. Two, the ecstasy back then was... was pretty phenomenal either way it was like 5 a.m the sun was coming up and we're still feeling pretty good get outside and see these newspapers uh that y2k was nothing to worry about man there was just fireworks i remember seeing the new york times and it was just fireworks and all the articles i think the only time i've ever seen this on a newspaper every single article was like positive and happy then again though i was on ecstasy so i don't hold me to that i might have just been interpreting all the articles as positive but uh, a memory that is forever ingrained uh, as a truly blissful moment in my life is that Deep Banana Blackout concert. Uh, and so I definitely, another band I can I can say that is totally worth um, a dive into. It's not a deep dive. They really have that, I think that one live album that might be it. I don't know if they, they stuck around together enough to do more than that, but 
Such a wonderful jam band. The next couple bands I just want to bring up quickly, I didn't know about until I was in college. The first one, man, I missed this one. I know that they kind of come back around from time to time, but I am going to put them in this group because they're not around that much. They're doing so many other things, but I know that they're very active still. But the band that did make quite impression on a lot uh, of friends of mine in college was The Slip. In, they came to our college a few times, and and we went to see them a bunch. I had friends who were crazy about the slip. It was almost in that, like, Medeski, Martin, and Wood kind of vibes, which I would put them on this list, though I know that they are also still out there to some capacity. And so Medeski, Martin, and Wood, uh, I've seen them a handful of times. They were such a great band. I got to see them with their infamous show with, with Trey in Albany, which was one of the best concerts I saw back in my college days. The slip were super cool. But they did have lyrics, but there was something that really resonated with a lot of people. They weren't my go-to band in college at all, but they were I was always down to see the slip because I knew when I would that I would see three guys who were phenomenal at their instruments. I actually had my moment with the slip when they released the album Eisenhower in 2006. I loved this shift. And I know I have spoken about top jam band studio tracks, and I'd left out uh, any track from Eisenhower. For a lot of people, this shift, when they released this album, they already saw it coming. If you were a Slip fan, you already heard of a few of these songs um, that were put on this album. But really, this is kind of when the Slip stopped becoming a jam band in a little bit of ways. But I think all in all, we're going to say The Slip is a jam band. And if we're going to say that, then I'm going to say Eisenhower is one of the best jam band albums I have ever heard. I know that a lot of people may say that it that is uh, that it's more of an indie rock album. And if you listen to it, you're probably going to hear more of an indie rock album. They did jam these songs, though, when they performed them live. Um, but they were definitely also jamming way less. They shifted their sound so dramatically from their jazzy earlier days and so this took a lot of people by surprise. But the music is incredible. This album is incredible. So for me, honestly, I like the slip when they when they got more indie. And, and I got to see them open for my morning jacket, which I'll always remember that show. Because before the show, I got together with a few friends. Someone had a bag of Coke and a bag of Molly. We cut out some lines thinking it was Coke. And then we all did a rail and realized it was the fucking Molly. And we all, all of us were just like, it burns, it burns. <laughs> That's probably too much information, but that kind of ruined it for one of my buddies, my slip buddy in college. I lived with him in Boston after college. And so we were really into my morning jacket and the slip was opening. So it was like, and it was in the House of Blues, which is a great venue. So he was so pumped to see his slip, even though he kind of was like, he's like, I don't really like Eisenhower as much as I like the old stuff. But I know that we were, I was so excited to see them. And we, yeah, we railed what we thought was Coke, and it was Molly. And so it just hit him a little different. He said he had a headache the whole night. He left early. Uh, I, I didn't have that bad of an experience. I do remember the slip rocking, and I remember my morning jacket ruling. But, yeah, I highly recommend listening to Eisenhower and going back and listening to Live Slip. Though you might be like, well, that, that sounds very different. Speaking of college, I had a buddy in college who was the bass player for a really great up-and-coming funk jam band named Addison Groove Project. His name was John Hall. He was a great dude. And for four years at college, I hung out with John. 
I remember we dated the same girl. We'd would there always be house parties all the time during co- in college, and he was always part of like the jams. They'd always throw together different because there's so many talented musician guys, and they'd always get together and and trade off playing. And man, Johnny Johnny Hall was a lot of times it was on the bass. He was the rock star, honestly, of uh, of all of our friends and 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 really the whole college. If anyone was going to come out of four years of college with you know, a, a wonderful career already lined up. The blossoming, amazing band who he basically was l- like leading. And it was John Hall. John Hall had the brightest future, honestly, out of anybody that I knew in college. His band ruled. They, he was part of a, an amazing jam band. They were playing all over. When he wasn't at school, he was at festivals and on tour. They weren't huge. I, I don't know if you know Addison Group Project, if you remember them. They weren't huge, but they were just a really good uh, funk jam band. They, I saw them open for the New Deal one time, I remember, which was great. Addison Group Project, yeah, they were funk, but they didn't limit themselves to just that. They definitely were into like a funk fusion. They they could get dark. They could get like sultry. They could, <laughs> they get sexy. They could, you know, they had a soulful singer. Everybody was great at their instruments. Great sax player. Johnny was just incredible bass player. Man, this band was locked and fucking loaded to just take on the 2000s. We, we graduated 2003, and so they, they were powering through that period of time where, where jam bands were, were less cool. And they had their work cut out for them going forward for sure, but unfortunately, um, things were very abruptly cut short. As soon as we graduated college, news spread that Johnny Hall had stage four colon cancer and he passed away soon after i think he passed away within the next year or so it was absolutely traumatic it broke up the band there was no addison group project without johnny hall the band was named after i believe john's dad um he was the john was he was probably the glue probably the leader of that of that band such a tragic ending to Addison Group Project, and if I can tell you anything, it's if you're not familiar with the music of Addison Group Project, another one I can't recommend enough. Such a bright future, but they did have a lot of great years of a lot of great music, um, so I'm going to throw that out there as one of my favorites. The only band that I'm going to mention that I never got to see, that I wish I did, that I got into in college a little bit, they're kind of technically still around. The, the lineup has shifted many times over the years, though I've never seen their name out there at performing anywhere around here. If I do have the chance, I will definitely go to see them. And that's one of my, I guess really would be one of my favorite cover bands, essentially. And that band is Jazz is Dead, which when I was getting into them was led by Jimmy Herring on guitar, just crushing dead songs in a super cool jazzy way there's not much i'm going to say about jazz is dead because i've never seen them live but i will say that they're definitely one that i remember from the past as being really great cover band i did see dark star orchestra when it was the original lineup that was such a fantastic show i love their concept overall dark star orchestra were the grateful dead cover band for so long that was the one to see they would play shows front to back, recreating dead shows. That's, no one's doing it like that. And, and, and they really took it all the way where the voices were so on point and the guys even looked like the dead. There was a, if Donna was on the show, there was a Donna on the stage. Really, um, 
I think they were kind of the top of the mountain for, for dead cover bands. I like J-Rad. I think they're cool. But And there's so many dead cover bands, right? It's hard to stand out. Jazz is Dead did it, though. Really cool versions. Like, hearing the dead like you've never heard it before. I strongly recommend them. I remember there was this jam band that came to our college a whole bunch of times. Their name was Granola Funk Express. I could have sworn it was a mix between rap and jam band. I, I feel like there was no way that the jam band scene in the 90s wasn't going to produce at least a handful of white rapping jam bands. How could it not? I mean, I'm shocked that me and my friends didn't try to create a rap jam band. If you can recall from that time frame, or if you in your town had a white boy rapper jam band, I don't know if Granola Funk Express was that. I kind of want to say they were. And it's like, at that time, that was like kind of acceptable. Now it would just be laughed at now, of course. But it was also the time of like 311. So I don't know. If I feel like there were some white boy jam bands that cease to exist anymore, but are trapped in time in the late 90s, 2000s. Uh, let me know if you recall any. That would be helpful. I'd love to investigate that further. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. That's just uh, That was uh, me just taking a little trip back in time. So let's get this show going, shall we? Our first guest made his infamous appearance, maybe on your couch tour, at Dick's Sporting Goods Arena, where Fish was playing that night, during a rain delay in which every single person who was in the arena had to exit or take cover, go back to the parking lot. Everyone had to clear the field because there was a incoming thunderstorm. So they had to have a big time rain delay and Fish ended up coming out and playing one huge monster set that more than made up for that delay for those who stuck around. During that rain delay, a man stripped down all of his clothes except for his boots and took to the field to dance around and frolic and many pictures and videos were taken and put all over the internet. That man immediately became infamous as the Dick's streaker, and we do have him here today to chat with us. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him out here. It's the Dick Streaker. Ah, oh, Jesus. I should have seen that coming. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can't see this, and that's fortunate for you, but he is indeed naked. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Well, I'm glad you kept the boots on, at least. <laughs> uh, what's up? What's up, man? So, my man. <sighs> yeah. So, Fish takes the rain delay. You run around the field. We all know about that part. So, then they come out, and they open with the song Karini, which is pretty cool. And they, and they referenced you in the song. Which I, which man, that, that's that's pretty dope, huh? I didn't, uh, I didn't see it. I was in a Dick's holding cell. Dick's has a holding cell, dude. That's that seems kind of wrong. No, a Dick holding cell. I was in a men's room stall jerking off. <laughs> I was feeling good that night. Yeah, we all we all could tell you were feeling good. <sighs> yeah, the time of my life. <laughs> what would you say was the best part of your night? streaking in the field with the rain coming down <laughs> were you nervous you would get struck by lightning <sighs> well, it wouldn't be the first time <laughs> no you've been struck by lightning before <sighs> oh i've been struck by lightning a few times get the fuck out of here <sighs> yeah i'm not lying look look here 
Oh shit, damn. That's a, quite a scar. Yeah, check here, over here. <laughs> oh damn. Oh, yeah. Check over check over here. <laughs> oh gotcha. Ah, damn it. Oh, that's just my dong. God damn it, dude. No, but for real? Two times. <sighs> like the saying. I think the saying is that would be like getting struck by lightning twice. I think that phrase is because lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. Oh, I thought it was strike me once, shame on you. Strike me twice, shame on me. <laughs> you sound like a guy who's been struck by lightning a few times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I wasn't nervous out there. <sighs> yeah, it didn't look like you were that nervous. What about security, though? <sighs> they were gone. It was a free-for-all in that place. Everyone was just hiding in bathrooms and partying in parking lots. I just wanted a boogie. But with your clothes off. <laughs> yeah. What was the worst part of your show? Uh, I uh, definitely had issues buying beers and uh, getting an Uber. Oh, man, because you were too high? Man, I hate when that happens, huh? Oh, <laughs> no. No, not that. Uh, it's because I was naked. <laughs> and I lost my phone and wallet somewhere in that place. Well, shit, man. Seems like you got a lot going on up in that noggin, man. You, you ever consider talking to, like, a therapist? Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. Oh, no, wait. I talked to a theremin. Yeah, no, that's that's totally different. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you're, you're good? Because, like, that, that's a crazy thing to do. Just run around naked in front of all those people. Like, are, are you all right? <sighs> yeah, I'm great. Are, are you going to go to fish again? I do dicks every year. Well, that's not what I asked. <laughs> right? You, you like dicks? <laughs> I love dicks. You know what I like about you, streaker? <sighs> What's that about the Dave? You have like a really, really solid bush. <sighs> Thanks, man. Was this uh, your first time streaking? <laughs> oh, no. No, not at all. I've streaked a few times. You're a serial streaker? <sighs> yeah. What was the craziest streak you've ever done? A bar mitzvah. Holy shit, you streaked when you were 13 years old? That's nuts. <laughs> no, not my bar mitzvah. <laughs> this was last week. <laughs> my friend's kid. <laughs> you took L for a bar mitzvah? <laughs> you, you, you never have? <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect place to trip. <laughs> Ton of fun games and a dance party and attendees and shit. <laughs> Yeah, the cops were called, though. Oh, damn, people weren't happy about you being naked, huh? <laughs> no, no, they, they loved it. <laughs> I got, like, a bunch of phone numbers from some moms, actually. <laughs> cops came because one of the kids was reported missing. <laughs> he was found in a closet getting a handjob. <laughs> damn, bar mitzvahs are not what they used to be, huh? <laughs> you never got a handjob at a bar mitzvah when you were a kid? Dude, I didn't get a handjob until I was 17. <laughs> wow, that sucks for you. <laughs> I guess you've just been, like, crushing life, seems like, huh? I guess I've been doing this shit all wrong. I mean, you're out there running in the rain, naked, and getting mom's numbers and having a total blast. <laughs> you can join me, dude. <laughs> you can be like me, ATD. Yeah? Sure. Yeah, come on. Take off your clothes. <laughs> yeah? Oh, no, I, I'm not, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you can do it, dude. Come on, dude. It's awesome. Come on, everybody, right? All right, should we turn off his clothes? All right, yeah? I don't know, really? I never thought I'd be a streaking kind of guy. That just doesn't, you know what, babe? Yeah, fuck it, man. Y your life seems pretty fucking rad. I don't know, you seem happy as fuck. 
Yeah, dude. Like, wow, wow, my life's awesome. <laughs> Come on, man. Join me, dude. All right, man. All right. Damn. All right. Let's do this, I guess. Oh, there, you, there you go. <laughs> all right. Let's... All right. Hey, guys, check it out. He's naked. Yeah. I feel like I'm drawing too much attention to myself. <laughs> Not with that penis you want. <laughs> Come on. Get up and dance. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is this is kind of cool. I feel free, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. You know what's not free though? What's that, man? Uh, Ubers. And uh, <laughs> I don't have my wallet or phone still. <laughs> Can you call me a ride home? <laughs> uh, sure, dude. Yeah, yeah. You want to come join me streaking next time? <laughs> Above the Dave, or like below the average. Okay, guys. All right, enough of the jokes. I'm putting my clothes back on. Yeah, dude, I'm good. I'm not going to join you for streaking. This shit isn't really what I was hoping it would be. You sure? <laughs> hey, above the Dave, if your penis was a hit of acid, it would be a microdose. Okay. All right, guys. We've had our fun here, right? I think we're, I think we're done here. I'm going to go ahead and call you that Uber, huh? Okay. <laughs> Micro, I mean, Marco, can you call him an Uber? Yes, below the average. I mean, above the Dave. <laughs> oh, well, the pleasure meeting you, man. <laughs> See you later. The Dick's Streaker, everyone. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep this episode rolling. Uh-oh. And, all right, everybody, brace yourselves. We have the portal opening up once again. Marco, did you get those locks? Yeah. All right, everybody, let's brace themselves. We don't know what's coming through this portal. It could be literally anything. Help me, help me, help me. Okay, help me, help me. Oh, God, I'm being chased. Oh, God, what's happening? Who is this guy? I'm being chased. Where is he? Where is he? Oh, God. He's so scary. Are you all right? Oh, God. Somebody. Where can I hide? I need to hide somewhere. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, oh, my God. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get killed. Dude, dude. Who? Who's chasing you? Wilson's executioner. He's coming for me. He's chasing me. Oh, shit. ACDC bag? You said it. He's after me. Where? How did you even get in here? I was just in a bathroom. Well, you came through a portal. Where is the portal in Gamehenge? Where were you when you were in Gamehenge, right before you came through here? I was in a women's bathroom. You were in a woman's bathroom? Yeah, I was hiding from the ACDC bag, and then I walked into this women's stall, and bam, I'm here. Where am I? You're in a podcast studio, dude. Do they take off people's heads here? Uh, the only heads that are going to be taken off is going to be Marco's head if he doesn't start getting a lock on this fucking janitor's closet door. Okay, so you're running from the ACDC bag? Yes! He's coming any second! So that means that, let me put it together here, you're Mr. Palmer? Yes! The accountant? Yes, I'm Wilson's accountant. He wants me dead. Okay, so Mr. Palmer, let's get down to the nitty gritty. What? The who? Mr. Palmer. Mr. Palmer. What? I, I'm, I need somewhere to hide. He's going to be here any second. Mr. Palmer, let's get this show on the road. What? The road? I, yeah, give me a road. I'll run. 
Mr. Pellon, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. What? What is he talking about? $20, it's bigger than yours, Buff the Dave. Who said that? Can anyone show me the exit? Mr. Palmer, here's the $1,000 question. $1,000? I'll give you a million dollars. I have all the money. Just, I'll get you as much money as you need. Just let me leave. Oh, I've got a feeling you know what you did. I'm a stranger here. I'm going down. Time to put your money where your mouth is, Mr. Palmer. I'm breathing hard. Open the door. No, don't open the door. Please, sir, don't open it. the blinds and run for cover. No future at all. Who would have thought that's where I am? No future at all. Don't sweat it. That's where I am. Oh, carry me down. Down, down, down. Time to meet your fate, Mr. Palmer. Oh, God, take me. End this torture. He's being carried back through into Game Hen by NCDC Bag. Wilson's executioner will be removed his face when he goes down. Oh, and above the Dave? Uh, yeah? I am coming back for you soon. Yeah, Marco, we're gonna we're gonna need that lock. Like, immediately. Okay, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go order it on Amazon. Okay, do Prime. Okay. Do Prime next day. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, that was a lot, but we're going to bring out our last guest of the day. We have one of the founding members of The Grateful Dead, Bob Weir, and the guy that slept with your favorite actress, Mr. John Mayer. Let's bring them on out here. Bob Weir and John Mayer. Mr. Bob Weir, how are you feeling these days? Much I'm coming, any day. Don't worry about me now. Bob, you've had a great run with uh, with Johnny here. Are you going to miss playing with him? Been so long, I built this way. I'm in a So, Bob, where have you been lately? Rainbows and down the highway, where oceans breeze blow. So, Bob, what is next after this tour? Don't worry about me, no. Nah, 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 no worry about me, no. Okay, well, yeah, I'm not expecting you to, to have those answers. Um, so about this final Dead & Company tour, it's going to start in... California, breaching on the burning shore. And then the tour is ending in... California, I'll be knocking on the golden door. You know, we just actually had uh, O'Teal here a couple episodes ago. Bob, how would you describe O'Teal Burbridge? Like an angel, standing in the shaft of light. Bob, I know you're a big gym guy. If I may ask, what do you bench? You've all been asleep. You would not believe me. And Mr. John Mayer is also here in the building. How John, how you doing? I 
sent you a few texts and hear back from you. So just want to make sure you good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just I'm a pretty busy guy, so can't just be texting me anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I was just just checking in on you. We we're good though, right? Me and you, we're good. Yeah, we're we're, we're good. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. That's just want to check. Our friendship means a lot, so. Oh, yeah, okay. That's cool. Um, so John, I have so many questions. Obviously, it's gonna be your final tour with Dead and Company. You keep playing Grateful Dead music? Oh, I don't know. I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. It's hard to know what to do next. I, I really just want to focus on this tour and just playing the music of the Grateful Dead is is as well as it possibly can be played. That's great, man. I'm so excited. We all are. Everybody's excited. Are we gonna? Man, are, there, are we going to see Phil show up for any shows? That'd be fucking crazy. You know, are you going to keep playing dead music? We're all going to be watching that. Is Bill going to do some more Billy and the Kids? Because that was awesome. Are we going to get some more Wolf Brothers? I mean, dead reunion show. God, it's, it's just there's so many possibilities. We're all just so excited, man. I mean, what if the dead reunited and you were the Jerry spot to, to honor the music of Jerry Garcia that way. Oh. Speaking of which, God damn it, this happens every time. John, I don't know what it is about you, man, but every time you come here, the heavenly gates open up and they come down to us. Hi, everybody. How are we doing, Bob? Jerry! I'm here with Bob, your good friend Bobby, and Johnny here, John Mayer, who you remember from last time. Oh, hey, Johnny. Yeah, how you doing? I'm I'm good, Jerry Garcia from heaven. Hey, Bobby, how you doing, man? You gonna come up here soon or what? The voice is telling me you will not receive me. Yeah, man, groovy. Can't wait for you to come rock it up here in heaven. Rising up to paradise, I know I'm gonna shine. Well, don't go too soon, Bobby. Okay, <laughs> you're still thriving down here, if I may say so myself. Don't worry about me. Nah, 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 don't worry about me. Nah, me no Nah, 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 no So, John. Oh, John's not here. Where did John go? Oh, I got a note. Let's see. There's a note saying Please plug my new album, Sob Rock. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Looks like Johnny's out of here. Well, at least we still have Bob. Oh, where did Bob go? Uh, there's a note. Went to the gym. Well, uh, looks like it's just me and you, Jerry. Oh, okay. So, Jerry, how's Nickelback tour? Oh, it's going super well. Having a blast. I would never say this to my old bandmates, but Nickelback is far superior to the Grateful Dead. Wow. Heard it here first, kids. It's the... Heaven Help the Fool tour, right? Is that, if I remember correctly? That's right. And you play dead songs in heaven. Some dead, some Floyd, some Allman Brothers. I'm actually here with the Allman Brothers right now. They're finally reunited. Oh my God, you are? Yeah, Dwayne and I have been jamming for decades up here. What? You and Dwayne Allman have been jamming? That's so sad. That's like my dream combo, dude. Yeah. You want to talk with them? With the reunited Almond Brothers? Yeah. Yeah. They're right here. Uh, 
All right. Yeah, just say hi. Uh, hey, Dwayne. Hi, Greg. Oh, man, this is sick. What's going on? Not much, man. How are you? Oh, we so good up here. You know, now that Greg, my brother Greg, joined us, we're now double billing the tour. We're joining Nickelback with our new band, Creed. Wait, what? Yeah, we just really like that name. <laughs> uh, wait, uh, what was wrong with the Almond Brothers band, dude? Well, we were talking when I got up here, and sounds like my brother Dwayne was kind of pissed we were still the Almond Brothers band even after he left. Says the name was kind of misleading. I said it was in respect. And I get that, but I was like, let's start with something new up here in heaven. And decades ago, I thought of a band name called Creed. Well, Dwayne, uh, not sure if Greg told you. He did. Don't care. I want to be Creed. Okay, um, you're totally allowed to be Creed. Uh, but what happens when the actual band Creed gets to heaven? We actually, um... What? We checked with the boss lady on that one. The who? The boss lady upstairs. She says they ain't making it up here, if you catch my drift. Oh. Oh, damn. I thought they are like super religious dudes and shit, though. Yeah, but she says their music sucks. <laughs> it totally does. So we're good. Okay, still going to take a little time for me to get used to this, but I'm happy you brothers are together again. Yeah, we're so freaking pumped. Somebody's getting into my business up here. Shut your mouth. You shut up. No, you shut up. Oh, fuck, get off me. I'm freaking... Now, brothers, come on. They do this about the Dave. They're some southern fighting type boys. Quit your bitching, Dwayne. Shut up, Greg. Get off me, Dwayne. Oh, take that. Oh, you like that noogie? Oh, get off me, God. It so is. is Barry Oakley up there? Barry, yeah, and Lamar, and Alan Woody. So yeah, we got three bassists in Creed. You got three bass players in your in Creed? Plus we added the Django Reinhardt and Dizzy Gillespie. Fucking A. It's true, ATD. They're really something. And we're opening our tour on New Year's Eve on the distant planet Soberon in the Calic Galaxy. That sounds really, really far away. It is. So Jerry... You would have been 80 years old this year. We all took some time this year to think of you and your wonderful legacy. How do you feel about that? It's crazy to think my brothers are still going at 80 years old. Like, won't you die already, guys? <laughs> like, come on, guys, just get up here already. You should check out the chicks in the Norblax region of Hammerfidane are out of this world. Oh, man, I bet. Well, I gotta go. Oh, you guys gotta go? Time for rehearsal. Shut up. Get off me, idiot. I'm telling mom. Shut up. All right, come on, guys. We got to go. All right, Jerry. All right, guys. It was a pleasure talking to y'all. I'm glad the brothers are reunited. Definitely check back in. I can't wait to hear more about this Nickelback and Creed tour. Fuck. Bye. Bye. Okay. That's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank all of my guests for coming on today, including the Dick Streaker. And Mr. Palmer for coming through the portal with the ACDC bag, who is supposedly coming back for my head, which is now comforting. And Bob Weir and John Mayer for coming into the studio. And also Jerry Garcia and Dwayne and Greg Allman all popping in from heaven. 
Next week, we're going to be talking about the next generation of jam band fans. There are a lot of young people that we are seeing in this next rise of jam bands. And I'm noticing that we're seeing a lot more at Dead & Company than we are at Fish. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to bring in a Fish fan who also happens to be a dad. And he likes to go to Fish shows with his daughter. After that, we are going to talk with Chris Kuroda and Mike Gordon, who are coming into the studio. And finally, our man, Bob Dylan, is back. And he is coming onto the podcast to play us a few Disco Biscuit songs like Only He Can. So thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope to see you next week. I've been your host, Above the Dave, and this has been The Lot Scene.